welcome again to Noteworthy Differences. I'm here joined with Nathaniel Schmidt. I'm just going to introduce him uh, based off his blog. So he's written his own blog. That's njschmidt.id.au. So I'll just probably repeat that again so just to spell it out. njschmidt.id.au. And I'll send the link in the podcast episode notes. Just a rundown, so Nathaniel is born totally blind. This is due to a hereditary condition called uh, Leber's congenital amaurosis, or LCA for short. A genetic eye condition that has damaged the retina of the back of his eye. Technically, most uh, can probably see perfectly fine, and the vision part of the brain works fine but all that is sent and received messages don't get through um, to the brain and they cannot see at all and not even light. Out of high school he has studied uh, technical production, sound audio engineering at the Northern Rivers Academy of Music, then studied a Bachelor of Arts and after psychology or psychological science sorry, at La Trobe University at Albury Wodonga. He is currently studying a Bachelor's of Computer Science at Deakin University. Other than that, he has an interest in theology, and since the age of 12, he's been playing the drums and currently learning to play tabla through Sam Evans at the Melvin Tabla School. Hopefully I didn't butcher that name actually. Tabla, is that? Yeah. Nathaniel, maybe. No. Thank you. He, has in, uh, he also enjoys reading, windsurfing, playing uh, playing blind cricket, traveling to see new places, and as well as many other things. Um, he's also obtained a Space Academy wings through Cybiz program and went skydiving in 2013. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. It's good. It's good. Uh, it's a long time coming. I think. Yeah, took uh, took a while to come on board. I think it's a, a bit of a list actually. I got going with some people, and uh, you know, we just didn't have availability. But uh, well, I mean, that's fine too. What right? six weeks or so? It's not that long, really. I've already it's been sometimes two other interviews, and they're pretty good ones. Yeah. Oh, thank you, and uh, thanks to the yeah uh, those guests coming along in the new segment, which uh, hoping everyone's enjoying that this day in history. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we'll g- have you had three of yeah. those so far? Uh, I yeah, I think we're on the third. Yeah, yeah. I think we're on the third. Coming up to the fourth next week, but yeah, they've, yeah. they've been good. You know, it's good, a uh, good split, and um, keeps momentum going. I guess. Yeah. We'll get into I think the first topic. Maybe we want to get LCA, vision impairment, and technology. Um, what are some of the significant advancements in technology that uh? have improved accessibility for people uh, with vision impairment? Well, it <laughs> depends on you, whether you mean in the last several years or or more like decades. I mean, in terms of the bigger picture of things. It's well, how would you like to tackle it? Yeah. From... Well, if you think about things like uh, going from like um, hardware to synthesizers, so the way that a lot of people mm-hmm. read, so the, the way that people with vision impairment, especially if you're completely blind, have no sight at all, like I do, you have... Um, the way that people read things on the internet or reading um, local, locally stored documents on a computer is that you have a, a thing called a screen reader. So um, mm-hmm. 
what would happen, what, what does happen now is everything's done with software. You don't need quite as much hardware um, as you used to have to use. But um, so what happens is you have a, um, a, you have either voice software or what's called a, like a, a braille display that either gives you um, whatever comes up on the screen, on the computer screen, it appears either in dot form or in voice form. So there's, mm-hmm. so it's, a um certainly it's it's a more advanced form of the text to speech that you'd be familiar with in things like um when you use like uh, Microsoft Narrator for example. Actually Narrator is a bit more advanced than it used to be. Um but how did you like um get started using it when uh, at a young age? So, was, um what was your journey like? So when I was about six years old First yep. year of uh, primary school, I um, had a computer that I played around with. It had, oh, I think it was Jaws version. There's a screen reader called Jaws, a pretty popular one, made by a company called, it used to be called Hinter Joyce, then it was Freedom Scientific, and now it's Vispero. Um, um, uh, it was Jaws version 4.02, I think. I had that for quite a while, and then I got, um, and so I, I would play around with that a bit. Um, the equipment was a lot more clunky, so I also used to have a, a massive, like, brailler, like an embosser that would have, um, it was called a Mountbatten, and it had, it was one of the, might have, might not have been the first generation, but it was, it may or may not have been one of the first, I can't remember which one it was, but, um, I, I had one of those, and it had what's called a hardware synthesizer, so the speech would come out of an external hardware device that you had to plug in with a cable. Mm. So nowadays you have software synthesizers that yeah. play the phonemes back to you based on like, um, sometimes it's with recordings of, um, recordings of bits of speech. Sometimes it's done in other ways as well. But, um, so back then it was a lot more, yeah, primitive, uh, I suppose if that's the right word. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so that was a long time ago. That was, wow. That's scary. Um, what, 20, <laughs> 22 and a half years ago or something. Now we're feeling old. Yeah. Um, and so um, I used that for quite a while and then eventually things started developing a bit more. So I, I started using Windows PCs a bit more. So the first computer I had was like a Windows, it was an old, really old, like might have been Windows 98 or 2000 or something ridiculous. Um, and then I started used a few XP computers for a while. So I got JAWS, I think it was version ooh, 7.10 or something. Was it only available on Windows? Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not cross-platform. So it's hard with screen readers because um, there's there's three things that have to happen. So the, mm-hmm. the input from things like keyboards and things like that has to be interpreted. So you have to have things like typing echoes and things like that to read back to you what you're typing and then it also has to process the output so what's coming out on the screen but then you also have the bit in the middle that kind of does the the interpretation of what's going on in terms of the so you have the actual computer software has to work with the so the actual screen reader has to work with a speech synthesizer to do the work of translation and um actually process everything that way so so it's hard to make things like this um, cross-platform so you have programs like jaws 
or NVDA, non-visual desktop access, which is a free and open source version of the same kind of thing, or um, there's one called uh, Window Eyes. I'm not actually sure if they still make that anymore. It, it was never quite as popular, I don't think. Um, but that was on the market for a while. Um, and then you have, but you, but a lot of mainstream technology. So these, a lot of these solutions come from like more specialized assistive technology providers. Um, whereas now there's mainstream companies like Apple and Microsoft are doing a lot more to mm. contribute to these sorts of things. So Microsoft Narrator, as I said before, is a bit better than it used to be. It's still not as good as some of the other solutions, but it's okay. Um, it gets you by. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, Apple has voiceover, so that works on the iPhone and the Apple Mac and things like that. I suppose um, Apple's uh, accessibility suite has helped out a fair bit with their uh, yeah, ecosystem. Yep. Yeah, they're pretty good at it. So they have all sorts of solutions for people who are uh, vision impaired or hard of hearing or, yeah, um, different things that mm. um, people have different solutions for people with motor control difficulties and yeah. things like that. And, um, yeah, so they have, yeah, they have a huge range of stuff and, and it's pretty sophisticated. Like it's not... It's not just basic stuff. It's pretty advanced um, mm. and quite helpful. And so, um, yeah, they've they've done a pretty good job of that and are leading the way quite a bit. And, and Microsoft has stepped up the game quite a bit. And Google has developed a lot of pretty good stuff too. Um, and so, yeah, so I suppose um, nowadays I, I tend to use a lot more mainstream solutions because mm-hmm. um, it's not quite as – it's still a little bit necessary – but not as necessary yep. as it used to be to use specialized solutions. So I, a lot of people tend to like to use things like um, specialized assistive technology devices like note takers. So it's like a mini computer that has like a braille display attached to it. So yeah, like I mentioned before, the things where whatever is on the screen will come up in like dot form. So um, you can have little like, it's like a pocket PC, I suppose, but slightly bigger than that. And it would... So I, I used to have a thing called a Pac-Mate, which was like a mini laptop sort of thing, but a bit more, it was probably had a, it was a bit more bulky in the sense that it was, it was like, in terms of length and width, it was smaller than a laptop, but it was, had more depth to it. So it was more, yeah, had more stuff built into it. And you could use, um, I think it had GPS solution. I never used it because you had to use an external receiver for that. Um, mm. Nowadays you can get devices, of course, that have, well, iPhones, for example, have built in um receivers and things so you don't need the two devices to um receive signals from the satellite as well as you know producing its own like you don't need the in and out um, signals for that sort of thing you only need well you do but you don't Mm -hmm. need separate hardware solutions for that because it's all built into the all the hardware is built into the same device usually so um yeah um and so while I've been studying at uni, I, I just used a laptop, I had a Windows PC and an iPhone and I mm. uh, would just record, would either um, record notes, like just in standard form by typing them or, um, yeah. So, yeah, nowadays things are, are a lot more streamlined and um, it's there, there's sometimes less compatibility issues because of the mainstream solutions that are available now. So yeah, it's, it's pretty handy to 
um, do it in that way because it means that things are a little bit less expensive to buy. So one of the yeah. note takers I used to have cost about 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's a huge amount of money. You could get funding for it sometimes and sometimes mm-hmm. my um, parents would contribute to that a bit. And yeah, that was tr- interesting sort of growing up a bit. You have to, yeah, do stuff like that. But mainly that's not as much of a problem anymore. So um, it's still a bit of an issue. But, um, mm. you know, paying for a phone that's what, just under or just over a thousand dollars, depending on what you buy, um, is certainly a bit better than spending what five or ten grand on some device that you know oh, exactly. was helpful. The but device like uh, outdated now, this day and age, like obviously um, the iPhones technology supersedes what was available back in the day. Is that what you're saying? So these features are um, basically the same features you'll receive with this. I don't know if it's completely, I don't know if it supersedes. That's a, a fairly, hmm. probably a strong way of putting it. Um, it's not that these things are superseded. It's more that they are, maybe there is a tiny bit of less of a need for certain specialized things. So you'll find that, that note takers now are a lot cheaper because they yeah. have to be in order to, in order to convince people that they should be buying them. So um, you'll find that some... I think it comes to like uh, maybe technology bases like for, and, and also things that are readily available, right? Because if, you know, back maybe back in the day or not back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, it might, might have been back in the day for a lot of people, um, you know, that, that technology might not have been around or might not have been as prevalent as it is now, right? So it's kind of not as new technology. So it's, probably where they can get away with um there certainly was more of a need for uh pure innovation i suppose earlier on like um yeah you in terms of hardware firmware software you you Mm. would need uh people to be fairly creative in coming up with relevant solutions whereas i suppose now it may or may not be a bit easier it depends on um depends on how you look at it really yep and back to tts i think it'll probably be good maybe for listeners or even just uh yeah to touch base on again uh when i when i met you actually um you actually are the first person that i um found actually using tts and uh i know can i can i share that the way that we met again for uni yeah 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 that's okay so um, when I met Nathaniel, um, or, you know, maybe I'll just speak to you in person, sorry, first person, <laughs> when I met you, um, I don't know where I was going with that one. So when, <laughs> when I met you um, at uni, uh, it was in the I mean, data capture technologies course or unit. And I think, I think maybe I was being, I think I was more active in like the, one of the seminars or something. And yeah, I think it was, I was the first one, the first practical students. one. Yeah, the very first one, yeah. Mm. So I was kind of, uh, I think I was answering some students' questions and then uh, and you, I think you might have been having some struggles in the chat or I don't know how, we haven't, we, you're asking a few questions in the chat and I was kind of responding to them and... I think I connected up, or... I think I connected the device. It was a very basic setup, so we didn't have to do a lot of wiring uh, at that yeah. point. So I think mm. it was just a basic setup where we were testing LED lights. You know the yeah. the lights to do the the blinking thing, the, the, blink test, yeah. the SOS test. 
Well, actually, so that was the no, that was the individual yeah. assignment. It wasn't the SOS test. It was just testing to see whether the yeah. device, whether the, up, um, yeah. the pins actually worked on the microcontroller. That's right. Well, a microcontroller is like a mini. Mm. We should probably explain a microcontroller is like we're yeah. working with like mini computers that yeah, have like very tiny oh. CPUs. So <laughs> like really, um, yeah, yeah, so it was an Arduino board that we were working with. So yeah. it's like a, um, yeah, very, very small computer. It doesn't have a lot of memory, but you can put tiny bits of code on it. It has just enough memory. Mm. You can put bits of code in it and sort of run them and use it to build those fantastic a, projects yeah. <laughs> very complicated it can be as well but um yeah when uh, i think that that lecture was over i got an email from yourself um it, it seemed very it was very formal as well the way you wrote that email and i was a bit uh taken aback a bit i think um when uh it was, it was a formal request for assistance like uh just to i think you preface it that um yeah i meant to find that email for... but i didn't have time uh, i think it'll yeah. be in my sentence somewhere <laughs> But it I don't want to. I don't want to go out of this app because I think it stops recording uh, me if uh, I do. That's okay. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, just to, I think, uh, paraphrase the way, yeah, like a ECC. I think one of the support or something, someone that was helping with another thing, and I thought it was some official some contractual agreement you're trying to get me to. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I was like uh, at the time, I was like, I don't know if I had the time. To seriously, like it was, it was casual. Like you, I think you, the nature of your uh, request is kind of casual. It doesn't like you need twenty four hour assistance or whatnot. But uh, and then then I found out about um, your uh, the drop out there. Sorry, oh. the um, ALCA. And uh, at first, uh, I think when I called you because uh, you, you wanted you preferred call over text, and that was fine. And then, um, yeah, your TTS was actually running a thing on loudspeaker. And I was like, what is that in the background? I was, uh, <laughs> I was a bit uh, confused at first, but then you explained that. And uh, it's good to know. Yeah, no, the, because um, I think mm. the, yeah, that was the time when we, because I think I we had one or two phone calls. And then, yep. um, yeah, because we found out about, like, the, because I'm just trying to remember. This was like two and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's okay. not that long ago, but it's it's very um... COVID. Uh, the the period between COVID. Yeah, and it was all like online. 2019, all 2020, 2021 never existed. So you know, last year was 2019. Remember? So <laughs> it really feels like it that. Kind sometimes. of felt like that sometimes. Just living in a man. vacuum and. Oh, oh yes. And, and then the next year I lived on res and that was even worse because they like would extend mm. all the lockdowns for like weeks and weeks longer than yeah. the government did. And like, we were just stuck there and like, you could talk to your housemates and. Or like... you start talking to the walls after a while <laughs> and we'll start talking back and that's when you start getting worried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go on from there. I think we'll, I think we've knocked uh, <laughs> our topic there. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about vision impairment or? Well, is there anything in particular? Any like. Uh... Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like some common misconceptions, you know, about vision impairment and how like, you know, technology helps to kind of dispel sort of those misconceptions. Do you have anything on that or? Um, well, it's a bit of a broad sort of question, I suppose, but I think, hmm. um, I'm just thinking on the fly here. Um, 
No, it's okay. You know, there are... I suppose there there is a kind of a bit of a concept. It's it's not um it's it's progressively getting better, but um you know, in a former time there would have been and some people think it's still a bit of an issue and it probably is for some people. In a former time you you had to be pretty careful about um like in terms of employability things and things like that. You you had to be very careful about, you know, what do you um disclose or not disclose. Um mm. Because I mean, legally speaking, for example, if you're looking for a job, you're not allowed to um, mm -hmm. sort of, in terms of selection uh, biases and things, you're not allowed to discriminate, discriminate based on um, a person's disability or you know religious like abilities. Yes, thought to be or, a job. Um, you know, a person's sex or whatever. I think um, it's here just to not discriminate on disabilities. That's right. Yeah. Um, so and then, yeah, that's right. So, um, in a former time, you had to be a bit more careful because sometimes people would still sort of do that sort of thing. So if people found yeah. out too quickly that you had a disability, you had to be a bit careful with that. Now, now it seems to be a bit sort of different in the sense that it depends on the country you come from, because mm. there are some countries like in the UK, for example, that are pretty good with this sort of thing. So they they tend to. Yeah be quite um open to people tend to be quite open to sort of um yeah employing people mm. with disabilities who have an ability to do certainly more things that are have been made available especially because of technology and things um yeah but but in terms of yeah in terms of the country we live in uh it's yeah, it's it's a situation where, you know, there's ongoing development in this regard. Um but it's certainly something that um is on the improve, except that uh <laughs> yeah, there there are some interesting little quirks that come up. I, I don't know if you saw several weeks ago someone um yeah, some people got a bit upset, someone kicked up a fuss where apparently in some states in Australia, Adelaide is one of them. I'm not sure if Victoria is another one. I think Adelaide and Queensland might be two states. Adelaide certainly is at least where um yeah. people with disabilities are allowed to do things like um that are deemed quote dangerous and quote, like like buying um alcohol in public areas if you oh. unless you have like a carer or someone. So so oh. someone actually got into a bit of trouble and they weren't allowed to like get stuff because um in a, a public space like even just at a pub because even they were the person was actually he was with his wife <laughs> um he was with his wife and he wasn't allowed to like even like buy a drink because he didn't have like a care of it and, and like he didn't Wait, but he was with his wife yeah but apparently that didn't make a difference um and and so i think wow. there's a there are certain aspects of of yeah, certain um, rules that have been introduced that have, have made that a bit tricky, which is a bit frustrating because, I mean, when you have a physical disability, that means you don't actually have, like, any kind of reduced cognitive capacity that actually means that you can, you know, when you can actually speak for yourself and don't need mm -hmm. someone to do it for you. It's extremely frustrating because, you know, you can regulate yourself properly and you know, manage things and set boundaries. Like it's, um, yeah, you don't want to so be treated any differently. Right. So yeah. And, and that can still be a, a bit of a thing like that. 
things like that happen in certain places. Mm. Um, and so there, there is a bit of a conception, I think, that, you know, if you have a disability that someone has to speak for you because instead of, like, you actually speaking for yourself, I suppose, because, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, um, well, it's kind of like well, the difference between, you know, a child and an adult. I mean, you, you know, children at a certain age can't decide things for themselves and they need a parent or someone to a guardian or someone. Yeah, to, of course. Yeah. In that aspect, definitely. But you get that out, yeah, but that scenario, there comes a point when, yeah, you know, when someone transitions <laughs> into teenagehood, let alone adulthood and, you know, when things like that still happen, you kind of have to wonder what, what the underlying assumptions are behind uh, <laughs> those sorts of things. Yeah, that's okay. We won't uh, travel too far down that road. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to answer the question. It's a very broad one, so it's fine. To... That's right. Um, I'll work on those. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for your feedback. Um, but then, actually, that, that's a good segue to the next one. I mean, uh, do you want to talk about AI or machine learning used in the help of people with uh, vision impairment navigating the world, or...? From ChatGPT, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I generated one from ChatGPT just to like throw it in the mix. I um, think ChatGPT is asking you what he thinks about, about I, what it thinks about. Right? I, I laughed at that because <laughs> um, <laughs> it seemed like an odd way of putting it, but I suppose. Um, How would you have rephrased that question? As well, it's a human. <laughs> I suppose I, I found it interesting that machine learning was included in it. I'm not sure what, I mean, that could be, uh, AI makes sense. But um, have you, have you read up on anything on this weekend? We don't need to cover it if you, yeah, but. Oh, well, I, I, I mean, I use but... a lot of AI stuff, like, like, yeah. um, so there's a Microsoft. Well, in what way actually? Yeah. Can you, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that's that? happened. So like, for example, there's, there's an app called Seeing AI that yeah. does a lot of different things where it has like different modes where. It has like a short text mode where the, um, so it actually performs what's called OCR, optical character recognition on the, um, on like a piece of paper or a book or whatever it is that you're scanning. Mm. And so you can scan with a phone camera and it will read back via speech what the actual, um, yeah, what the, Text I still don't understand OCR on. technology, but it's amazing. Uh, it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot more mainstream than it used to be. But it's there. It's yeah. hard. It's tricky to navigate because of the legal considerations. Like I've always gotten exemptions because, owing to my disability mm -hmm. regarding accessibility things, I've been able to use OCR tools with a bit more freedom. Um, now, yeah. like I think Acrobat, for example, has an OCR tool where you can. But is like, that free? I think you have to pay for it, but I think, uh, no, I think you do have to pay for it, but you can get like, I think I could be wrong about that, but you mm -hmm. have to, um, so you, you can scan a PDF and then make it into sort of like an editable document, I think, but you're not really supposed to do that. Like with PDFs in particular, you just, I mean, they are protected for a reason. <laughs> and so sometimes, for example, even when I use external OCR tools, like there's one called, um, convenient OCR, which is used with um, JAWS, which is the screen reader that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. which um, actually lets you 
you can scan whole documents, but sometimes you still have to enter, like if the document has a password, you have to enter the password. So sometimes with like when lecturers have given me documents, I've had to get them to send me documents without a password. For example, like alternative documents in order to yeah. um, actually access them because a certain, you know, a person will have a password that they use to, yeah, protect their own documents that are their own content and things like that. So, mm. yeah. Okay. And I know we touched on uh, the hardware and software used in uh, aiding um, your, aiding the accessibility for things in um, your day to your, your day, day in day life. Yeah. Um, but just wanted to, me ask you like what what services are available like um because that would probably be like a disadvantage maybe like we're looking at costs right so um on a cost basis i mean what what sort of uh services or organizations are out there are we still thinking specifically like ai related i want to uh from there no not ai related but maybe just more for a quick one on the um uh, the challenges of uh accessibility for people with vision yeah so things like existing services and things can be a bit expensive there are things like the national disability insurance scheme which provides funding that can help with that but um do you know if the uh, it's easy to get uh, qualified for that or so basically anyway it depends on how you use your funding but anyone who has an abn if you have an australian business number you can actually um set up means you have to generate like your own invoices but if you send mm. them to a person you can do things like um set up a disability related service like for example support work jobs so i have someone who i've had someone in the past who would just use their abn and i would get them to do like transport jobs for me and things like that um and then they could send um they would just send invoices to like a plan manager or someone and they would just pay the invoices um in all right in in dis is that a do they cater as well to you've dropped out you're there now can you hear me yeah okay um did you mention also is ndis also on that list there or like have you used ndis before oh i i have so NDIS is not a service provider. It simply provides access to funding that can be given to service providers. So, so there's a particular agency that, um, so it's a, it's a way of funneling government funding into the specific purpose of, of allowing serv- other providers, third party providers to provide their own services. So it doesn't have to be a government provider, but government funding can be used for it. So. There are organizations like Guide Dogs Victoria, Vision Australia, mm-hmm. um, that provide things like, for example, well, speaking of blindness, at least orientation and mobility services, or where people can be employed to um, help you navigate your way indoors and outdoors independently. So taking public transport, you know, crossing roads, things like that. Yeah. No, but it's good to hear. It's good um, to hear um, 
There's not too many challenges, right? That um, or technology based. Well, just um, there's always challenges, services. but yeah, there's there's increasing numbers of ways of overcoming them, I suppose. Yeah, and, I think um, I misworded that. Yep. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I, sorry. Uh, you got me there. That's right. You understood me. Um, yeah. So the mm-hmm. um, yeah. So there there are some things. So there there is still the issue with funding and expenses and things like that. Like I use a service called um, Ira A I R A, which is like a um a service where you can call in they have an app uh, that you use on your phone and you can you can use it on the desktop too and you make an account it costs like a lot of money on a monthly basis which is the annoying thing but you can like call in and they have access to your camera and your location and they can like um identify items for you or like direct you through like airports or train stations or Things is like that, that. Uh, AI or is that someone like an, no? It's a person. It's a real person, person on the other end. So it's usually someone from America. Mm. I think they used to have people from the UK who would do it, but I don't know if they do that anymore. I think it's mainly from America. People from America who do yeah. that. So yeah, interesting. So there, it's twenty four seven accessibility. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. And there are some places yeah. where you can get it for free. So if you're on the Deakin campus, for example, they have a thing called Ira Access. They've registered there for that go. where you can actually, yeah, you can just use it for free, which is really good. For up to, mm. I think it's for up to half an hour or something. So there are limitations, but you don't usually need it for any longer than that anyway. All right. That's cool. Let's talk, uh, let's talk theology, something that you're oh. really into. <laughs> and even like a shout out to, uh, well, what was the... What's the um the Deacon Uni? We got Christian Union, I think it was, and Deacon Uni. I think yeah, that's how we found out because I, I think one of the first times I called you, or was it the second time? You when tried to invite started? me to uh, see you, right? Well, I think you mentioned something about. Uh, I mentioned it. Uh, you well, mentioned. I, you didn't mention I was that. Talking about, you didn't uh, mention I was that. About you mentioned a, um, a young adults Bible study group, I think, right? Yeah, you mentioned something about it. Yeah, yeah. Bible study, and and I. I thought I was evangelizing you, and we, you know, you were evangelizing me. <laughs> And, and then we just got yeah. yeah. And then we're just edifying each other at the end, right? Is that how it is? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we both discovered that we're. Yeah. And so um, what's. Right. I tell you, you were pretty spontaneous with that one. You like signed up to see Deacon Bird see you like. Why not? 12 hours. Oh, he was at time. Within 12 hours. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> and then I, and then the next, the week after, I became president. That's right. I'm, uh, spontaneous and also um, uh, very driven. No, that's that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> but, but I am driven. But uh, the joke of uh, become president of CU. No, it's not. <laughs> Shout out to the current president. I don't know who he is <laughs> or she. Um, is it still Joel? Might not could, be actually. Is it? Oh, not sure. I haven't ever actually been a part of that for a few years now. Actually, it was a uh, it was a good time during COVID, but yeah. Uh, yeah, when we got out, it's just not that I didn't have time, but it's just it's because of the distance as well. It was good mm. that it was online. I mean, because I was an hour away from yeah, know, Burwood, so yeah, yeah. A it's a difference. Trick. Yeah, I was down the road. Yeah, I probably would have been there every day. <laughs> but yeah, let's ask the big question. Um, this is a curveball one. It's not on the uh, our list. Oh right. How do you uh, how do you define faith? Wow. Um, well, I, I mean, if you, I mean, literally, like literally what it conveys is the notion of, of belief, like believing in something. So you, hmm. um, 
when you're talking about when you're talking about it in a Christian context, you're talking about something that is um, something that allows for a person to be justified, to be um, considered mm-hmm. righteous before God. So you you look at things like, um, for example, within the context of belief, you look at things like and and the Apostle Paul expounds on this in Romans, where you look at things like go for it. that in. <laughs> In like Genesis 16, it should be that how you talk about um, God made promise to Abraham that in mm-hmm. um, that he would become a father of many nations and that that he would be blessed and that that in spite of his old age and the fact that his uh, wife was barren and couldn't have children. Uh, yeah, that these things would happen, and and it explicitly states that that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted it that is his belief was accounted to him for righteousness. So in other words, he didn't have to do anything. He um, believed on the promises of God, and hmm. and those, Pro- those programming promises... terms. Uh, faith is equal to trust, right? <laughs> In a way. Well, it's yeah, it's it's trust. <laughs> It's yep. it's belief, but it's it's something that has to be given. It's it's not a mm. you know it's an agent that is um, you can't conjure it up within yourself. You know you can't um, you can't actually say well you know I did this. It was me because the whole idea of it is that that God is the one who justifies and that He is the only one who can do that. Um, and I so, like it. Mm. Um, that's not really a definition. It's kind of a bit of ideas, but it's very long-winded. Long-winded? Did you have a? Do you have a more? Depends on what you're talking. Thing. See, the tricky thing is when you're talking about the word, like when you're talking about a word yeah. like faith, are you talking about that on a lexical basis or a theological basis? Because that's a different way of looking oh. at it. Like, okay. are you thinking of like what does the word actually mean, and how does that mm. relate to? what we're thinking about or, or maybe on a theological basis, right? Yeah. So that's how you answer. I mean, both of those things are equally applicable because they, both things need to be looked at in order to come to an understanding of, yeah, what, what it actually means to, to have faith. But in a, and of course we're thinking of this, I'm, I'm thinking of this from more a, the lens mm. of a classical sort of, I suppose, Protestant kind of understanding of these things with a particular branch of Christianity that emphasizes things like, you know, justification by faith alone, or the Latin is sola fide, that when you look at the, like the, the idea that not just that we are justified by faith, but it's that, that it's the only thing that actually achieves that, um, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to the scriptures alone. So it, it, Fro- throwing um, down the soul is that, is that the five solas of the Reformation? That would be it. Yes, that's good. Or the four, yeah. technically, I think, because the oh, well, the oh, fifth one, okay. soli dia gloria, it's the glory of God alone. That that's more a it is a fifth sola, but it's a it's more a um, I don't have a problem with it because I agree with it, but it's it's more a. Do you have a problem with the fifth solar? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. It's, a, it's, a, it's more a. Well, it's more specifically a Calvinistic 
ideal. Yep. So, so sometimes mm-hmm. people will steer clear of it for the sake of trying to <laughs> not be too contentious mm-hmm. because, um, like for example, um, I did a, I did a study, uh, when it was the 500th anniversary of the reformation, uh, the church I was in did a study of, um, key ideas that changed the world. And there was a separate sermon that was done on the fifth solar, but the actual study itself contained the four ideas without the fifth one, because, um, it's tricky. I mean, it's tricky because it's a very, from a historical theological standpoint, it's a very Calvinistic kind of ideal and see the problem is that, I mean, you know, not every Protestant is a Calvinist. (laughs) And it's, it's, um, yeah, it's one of those tricky things that sort of you have to um, consider carefully. Yeah, what what you're saying in terms of how to go about these sorts of things. Um, yeah, it can divide a lot of people, but uh, that's okay. We'll go into like maybe personal anecdotes and whatnot. We'll, we'll skip over that one. It's fine, but like. Just wanted to check with you. Uh, what, what's your uh, personal faith journey, and you know, or how has your personal faith journey influenced your understanding of theology, and then shaped your the way you actually approach your religious okay. studies? I think that'd be a good way to go about it. So, well, I, I'm not studying like. Formally. I mean, I don't know what that means. Is that, your is that, is that I mean, chat GDP again? <laughs> no. Oh, it's yes. not. Oh, it is. Uh, yes, it, it is. is. Okay. <laughs> Gotta stop doing that, Nathaniel. <laughs> have more grace okay okay oh, i i think it's just Sorry. um that's no, interesting like i think it's interesting it to is. see what it comes up with like i'm not accusing no, no, you of being right. um lazy or anything I think, I think it's quite interesting um <laughs> i'm having fun no, no, it's not, i i get i know yeah i i did but this is preface right so just for everyone this is, oh like no i, I probably, did mention to nathaniel i was going to bring up questions using chat gpd just to see what it oh, inputs, i'd probably do the same thing like i really would um yeah like it's um it's really interesting to yeah what it's coming up with it because it doesn't recognize it doesn't know enough personal stuff it's not meant to be personal so it doesn't know enough about me to be able to mm. figure out yeah what and to say and obviously i didn't plan properly because i should have changed this and made it more personal but oh that's right um spitting at it leaving it out there kind of like just <laughs> head in your piece of paper and it's like what do you think of this <laughs> So I think you were oh, avoiding the first question, weren't you? Well, it's interesting because it, it forces you to think out of the square because it, yeah. you know, you have to think about, oh, how can I uh, mm. readdress this? Okay. Um, which is good. It's slightly mind-bending, if only very slightly. But um, no, it's so. So in terms of my personal faith journey, like I grew up in a, a Baptist mm. church. It was a New South mainstream New South Wales Baptist environment. Um, yep in sort of the southern New South Wales sort of riverina area. I'm actually from northeast Victoria, but um, so I grew up kind of in the wine region of the area and then moved. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a fan of wine? That. But uh, a little bit, no, but I, I have a, I think it's a bit of a family thing. I have a bit of a, like, it's not a major reaction, but I do react to it a bit. So if I have, no. I can have, I can sort of have half a glass or one glass, but if I have enough of it, it gets, I, I feel like I've caught a cold. Like it's really weird. Like no. it, something it exacerbates something in my sinuses and it makes me feel like within the hour i feel like almost like i've like got hangover almost Mm. when i don't like it's really weird oh um it's really strange like and i don't even have to have that much at all (laughs) 
It's yeah, very odd. Glenn. No, no, that's okay. Um, All right, we'll we'll go back. Yeah, sorry to digress there. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's like yeah, so I grew up in that kind of an environment where, um, sort of a very mm-hmm. general sort of Baptist environment, pun intended or not? Maybe, maybe not. Wait, why is it a what? Don't worry. <laughs> How? Okay. Someone who knows what that means will figure it out. Um, anyway, um, so the, yeah, so when I was about, I I always grew up in a a Christian home. Um, Mm -hmm. my dad's side of the family were open brethren's mum's side were Baptists. And so, um, my, yeah, when I was about eight years old, I remember my sister and I somehow got onto a conversation with mum, I think, about oh different things, matters of faith and stuff. And it was at that point that I had I sort of had made, I suppose, a I had made a, a commitment that I think it would be a good idea to, you know, give my life to Jesus to invite him into my life. And so I What age were you? I was like eight years old. I wasn't very old. Yeah. So did you re reconfirm that like later on in uh, yeah, kinda. So I yeah, I did. So I like when, so at that point. No, not to point, say I, eight is. I think uh, maybe, yeah, eight's probably still too young, isn't it? Well, you do have to wonder sometimes, you know, mm. when people talk about things like, oh, yeah, you know, I, you know, made a commitment like to yeah. follow Jesus when I was like five years old. You're kind of like, well, did you really know what you were doing when you did that, or did you do it yeah. your parents? You know. <laughs> That's what your parents are doing or like, but yeah, there comes a point where you have to choose whether or not you're going to sort of own your own sort of, you know, your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you own your own profession of faith, I suppose, and it's yours. It's not your parents. It's not anyone else. They are yeah. all the age of accountability and then mm. you're accountable to those or you, yeah. it's at that time. Well, that's the tricky thing like, too. Right from wrong. What yeah. is the age of accountability? The age like, of accountability. Yeah. That's a tricky thing. Like, is it yeah. the point where perhaps you become a teenager or is it earlier than that? Is it like, I don't know. That's a tricky one. But yeah, so eventually I, I tied it up and down, but I, I kind of made a recap hey, um, about, uh, Sorry to cut you off for a sec. Just did a little quick Google search. Uh, Someone, if you'd like Google, what is the age of accountability? The the age eight years old actually came up. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh seems coincidental. Oh, but anyway. Where is that coming from? Uh, yeah, um, that's coming from... Uh, okay, so the Mormon church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe, maybe we won't go with that. Um, <laughs> yep. That's, 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 uh, yeah, that's more than heterodox. Well, that's okay, we'll, we'll um, go back to your campus, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Unless you did, you know, you came from the church, but, you know, that's, it's off topic. Uh, yeah, no, not quite, no. <laughs> um, so when I was that... Yeah, when I was at that stage, I mm-hmm. so when I was about seventeen, I kind of made a recommitment, I suppose, and then I got baptized, immersed when I was eighteen. Yep. Yes, it was August the twelfth. It was with a, um, a friend of mine, and there were two other people as well. We all mm-hmm. ended up getting yeah baptized and stuff. And yeah, that's good. So um, yeah, it was 
so it's it's been up and down since then. So I've been to a different number um, of different church environments. The year after I got baptized, my family broke up, which I suppose was a pretty difficult thing. My parents kind of separated, and then about oh, it wasn't till nearly a bit less than a decade later they mm. ended up divorcing. So that that happened like when I was in sort of my last year at school and in TAFE, which is a bit yeah. annoying because it was sort of towards, it wasn't right at the end of the year, but it was heading towards that way when, you know, supposed to be doing exams and things. It was just, oh, uh, it's just, you know, it was not a really a very good time for that to happen. But anyway, it just happened. It happened the way it mm. did, so couldn't do anything about it. You don't so. really plan those things. No, you can't. And, uh, well, parents can plan these things. Yeah, uh, as I as I said, that, when uh, you know, yes, yes. when the uh, offending party does what mm. they do, you know, they could actually uh, set some boundaries and sort of mature a bit. But, so, you know. now what happened like, was one one of my yeah. parents had an affair. So my my dad had an affair, and he wouldn't sort of get out of it, and so, um, yeah, he ended up basically having to be kind of given, well, a bit of a choice, really, mm-hmm. of actually making a decision about it or, yeah, leaving. He wasn't really making his own decisions. He was just sort of letting life pan out how it pans out, and that wasn't going to work. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but then... Yeah. Sorry. It's... Yeah, but that was that was a while ago. But um, it's... um. Yeah, and so that was a bit tricky because um, I never really thought I'd be in a position where, you know, because Dad doesn't really integrate any faith-related stuff into his life. I don't think he wants to because, well, you know, accountability stuff and things like that, it's a bit awkward. And, um, you know, you'd ask him things like, you know, oh, have you been reading the Bible lately or have you been, you know, different things? And, and he'd sort of be like, well... You know, he'd he'd usually use sort of excuses like, oh, yeah, a bit, you know, that sort of thing, but not really, yeah. But how was he before? Where well, he, he so he was, a, he was a church leader, actually. So when it happened, he, okay. it, there was something that happened. A family friend called him out um, mm. having dinner with someone who wasn't his wife, and it turned out that it was the person he was with. And so he had to be um, disciplined for that. So, so, um, yeah, and then he kind of, well, yeah. he kind of played the victim a bit and was like, told everybody that he thought he was being stoned or something. And that he just didn't, yeah, he wouldn't deal with, he wouldn't deal with it. his own problems in this regard, so he just, yeah. How's your relationship with your father now? Um, it's kind of... It's pretty emotionally distant, to be honest. It's very hard for most people, not just with me, with most of my family, his family, and with a lot of, like, his family friends, especially ones from church and stuff. It's very hard to have conversations with him beyond superficial stuff, like, you know, hi, how are you? How's the weather? Um, What are you doing at work? Um, Because he doesn't tend to do deep, meaningful discussions because I think reflection is hard because it, I think, makes him think about, you know, what he's done and stuff. And um, he hasn't really made an effort to explicitly sort of reconcile. So um, well, it's a little bit distant in the sense that, like, socially we catch up. Like, we catch up when I'm in the area and we, like, 
talk over the phone every few weeks or every few or several weeks or so. But like, it's it's kind of not really, yeah. Um, there's lots of stuff in his life, I think, that he needs to work through and he kind of hasn't and he's choosing not to. So there's nothing anyone can do about it. Um, it's his choice and who knows? I mean, he might go through the next few decades of his life staying that way. Um, hopefully not, but yeah. Um, so it's pretty, it's, it is kind of distant emotionally. It's a bit, um, and it's, it's hard cause it's hard to know how to work around that and sort of figure out, you know, um, yeah. Um, what but then, do? I mean, would there, cause you know, saying we're talking about failure, we're reconciling and, you know, we know all God is a, God of reconciliation, you know, and second chances, right? Um, mm. Then can we look at, like, the common misconceptions, you know, people think about theology and, mm. you know, who God is or how do we work to sort of dispel them, you know? I mean, because there are so common misconceptions there, right? Because as we know, like I just mentioned, you know, God is a God of reconciliation. How do you sort of you come to terms with that reality? You mean in terms of like a salvific sense, in terms of salvation, like or yeah, and then you know, going back to family. I mean, so um, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure what you're asking exactly, um, but it's kind of a bit. Well, what I was trying to do the process. Are you asking if the process of reconciliation, if you think they correlate, or? Well, okay, maybe I need to rephrase, but I'm just thinking, if there is an issue of reconciliation, um, could there be uh, a maybe a misconception of who God is in that person's life if they have a trouble reconciling? Do you understand that from that perspective? So. I see what you or mean. Is it not, or do you think it's not? Um, he he you did know, not causation correlation. He did grow up in an environment. So, dad grew up in an environment that um, has a heavy emphasis on. Um, has a fairly heavy emphasis on God as sort of, yeah, a, a God of judgment and. Um, to ref ref versus the love of God, yeah, but in a rather unbalanced sense. Like I'm not saying I'm mm. opposed to that entirely. It's the issue is not whether it's inaccurate or accurate. Either way, the issue is it's not a very balanced approach to. Um, it's very one sided about it. So there's mm. comparatively less of an emphasis on gospel. Like there's there's so. The theological term is homartiology. There's a there's a heavy emphasis on like sin and how God relates to his so character homash, in terms of judgment and things what was like that. Theology, sorry. Ah, uh, homartiology. Homartiology. Um, I can't remember how to spell it. H a m. I think. Or is it a r t i o r o g y? I think. Wait. It's the study of sin, basically. But it has a heavy emphasis on that sort of thing, and it impacts the concept of salvation in the sense that there is an explicit gospel message of, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's God right, is a just yeah, God and mm. there is an emphasis on substitutionary, on penal substitutionary atonement, the idea that God has come in to save, you know, to save us from our sins and to pay the penalty and to 
give us a chance but but the 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 grace aspect of it tends to be played down underemphasized so um um so that's yeah it's it's very plausible that for example Mm. you have implicit assumptions that could be created for a person in that kind of environment where Mm. it it's um and I suppose it's tied to personal yeah. experiences as well, right? Upbringing. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of church environment that tends to, that they say things like we believe the Bible, but in a bit of a, a histor- not an ahistorical sense, but like, well, it kind of is a bit like that. So they'll develop a, a systematic theology from the Bible. When, when you look at statements of faith that come from the kind of environment we're thinking of, it's... Yep they tend to be a bit compared to environments I'm used to being in. They do tend to be a bit sloppy (laughs) with their (laughs) wording of stuff because there's a lot of theology, biblicistic based kind of theology without much of a consideration to historical theology. So there's not as much church history in it. And that's part of the problem when you're thinking about um, being wary of, you know, heresies and contradicting them and things like that. There's the biblical aspect where you test things with the scriptures, but there's the, knowledge that comes from past case test cases involving situations and and historical theology for the kind of environment we're thinking of doesn't have as much of a part to play in that sort of thing Uh, that's my experience of that sort of thing um i actually go to a um so I, i actually go to a church that when I started attending the church, it has a, it had like a, um, an affiliation, which relationally speaking, it still has, but they've kind of logistically changed it to, uh, an environment that's a little bit similar to the one I'm talking about, which, um, but fortunately they have kept their original, they kept the initial statement of faith rather than the second one when they sort of transferred like their um, logistical affiliation stuff. So, um, but it's kind of, and I'm kind of glad they did that because it's a much more informed statement of faith, I think, which, yeah. And it's interesting thinking about some of the applications of this sort of thing. Oh, are you still there? I'm getting a bit worried about my phone. It's getting really hot. It's a really hot day today. It's like 32, 31, 32 degrees. We'll see how we go. Hopefully, yeah, uh, we don't drop out. And uh, well, it's not dropping yeah, out. I don't want my phone to like actually die altogether. Are you you're charging at the moment? What are you talking? No, about? I'm not charging it. It's just getting very hot. Do you know what the percentage of the charges? You don't want to take a break. Um, it's just the main issue is I don't I don't want it to overheat and then yep. have to yeah. Um, we can go over to music. We'll see if we can wrap it up, but. Um, no, just keep going. We'll see how it goes. Might be okay. Yep. I'll just take it out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. No worries. Okay. Um, I had a question about younger generations, but I think yeah. you're you're not too focused on that side of things, are you? In like your studies, so what are you talking about? Oh, I wrote about. Uh, I just wrote a quick question here. I don't know if you want to cover it, but. It's how can religious leaders, institutions better engage with their younger generations and address their unique spiritual needs oh, and challenges? Oh, wow. <laughs> because of the whole, it's probably a bit loaded, but 
I mean, just looking back on it now, it's, it I is worthy. Into it is yes, but I'm not maybe sure maybe we'll go to a different one because it yeah. depends on how much time we've got left. Yeah, that's okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. We'll probably have you on another time as well. That'll be good. Um, we'll go over the music. We'll listen oh, yeah. to the drums. <laughs> Do you have drums with you? You want to play on the? Oh, <laughs> maybe I have them in the backpack. Spot. I haven't actually got them out. Um, no, that's okay. So I, I've, what did I, did I pronounce it properly? Tableau? Yeah, Tableau. T A B L A. Yeah, Tableau. I mean, sorry, I didn't well, scroll back up. It's oh, like it's more. So not, not um, like the uh, graphic software. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Tableau. No, <laughs> <laughs> very very different. Yep. Um, so it's more. Um, sometimes when I dictate it into my phone, it says tab- it comes out as Tableau. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's yeah, very I annoying. Think... I have to change it every time. Probably the way. Or I'm... tablet or table. Tablet <laughs> or table. Mm. It's, anyway. It sounds like your uh, prediction text is my brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. we'll talk about Procasio. Um, it's but from your blog. I'll just quickly oh, that's read just, a little that's just the um, that's one of the Latin etymological roots of. The English word. Yeah. That's why I chose it. It's there's about four or five Beautiful. different roots. It's got a um, history. A lot of English. I mean, English is a weird language, so we have lots of different. I mean, it's mainly technically it's a Germanic language, West Germanic, I think. Um, mm. But okay. um, it actually has, I guess, the language family classification. But we have so many words that it comes from so many different things, like Romance languages, like French and Italian, and you know, yep. so many words from Greek and well, I stated Latin and things. It's just hard to yeah mm. but um so this this particular one i just called it that because well i don't know I, i'm not very creative with <laughs> with like imaginative with, with, i don't i don't like the creative aspect of i don't know thinking of stuff like coming up with different uh names for things i don't mind reflection like intellectual stuff but like stuff like that is just mm-hmm. yeah so i just <laughs> kind of cheated no and just no um, you're right Ooh. Took the linguistic yeah, class. Took the, yeah, well, that's good. I, I like I like doing that too. I like looking at the yeah the roots of words and um, yeah, sort of breaking things down from there. It's interesting. Um, is it etymology? Is it no? Um, What's the the study of words? Hang on. Well, etymology is the study of the origin of words. The origin of words. Yeah. So it's, it's not. not it's a component of definitions, but it's not the only means of drawing those conclusions. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I think... So it's not quite the same as, for the, example... Is it... So it's not are quite you s- adverse on this one? Um, oh, mildly. mildly. No, like not in a... No, not it's in a, okay. Certainly we not, don't in have a, to not like in a, not in a qualified hey? sense of just generically um, talking about it. State your qualification. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Before um, we proceed, no. Uh, well, like- yeah. Well, back on back on your, uh, I think uh, your page, yeah. Because I'll, I'll uh, link the guys, um, your your website, and then forward slash uh, Picasso. Really we have your editor. Yeah, <laughs> I we can it, play yeah. around with that. Anyway, and also shout out to any CSS um, enthusiasts out there that want to help out Nathaniel, please reach out to me on Instagram. It's a Jekyll site. I need, I need to put SAS in. Yeah, Jekyll and uh, SAS optimization. Yeah. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> All right, no worries. But yeah, anyone um, that wants to help out Nathaniel, if you're obliged, um, yeah, just feel, send me a message or Yeah, it's a very good site at the moment. Text. It's, it's yeah. HTML and text. And, yeah, I need to work it's on that. It's beautiful. <laughs> 
It's a beautiful site. It's a uh, very good. Well, the part that's written in LaTeX probably is because that has automatically generated CSS. Mm. But the rest of it is just Markdown converted to HTML via a very good. backend. I love, yeah, and I love the uh, compatibility to using it on your handheld device. It's, uh, it's very optimized. Uh, the, <laughs> well, I, there is, it is. I'm not sure yep. how much they've tested it on that, but it is. I think it is supposed to be able to do that. It's... Uh, Let's just say the menu when you go into the homepage, yeah. it does uh, take up the whole. <laughs> the whole oh, right, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have to review with you later, but I didn't have the chance actually. Just there's a there's a checkbox thing that ask. I had to remove that's supposed to let you expand and mm. collapse the menu, but it didn't really seem to work. So mm. um, I don't know what's we'll going have, on. That's we'll have a, a look at that later. That's a Jekyll. Or it's not a Jekyll issue. It's a minima issue with the theme that's used. I think because it's a very minimalistic. Theme mm. that you're supposed to expand to other things. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway. That's all right. No, nope. um, touch base on that one. But uh, yeah. So maybe just a little. It's uh, about your page here. You know, you did mention on your page on this page, yeah. you intend to put any uh, personal projects or potential personal projects outside of your lessons. So. Um, just wanted to also. Sorry, before that, I wanted to. Just wanted to introduce it. Do you want to? Or do you want it to take over on here? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You can... Well, you don't, you don't trust me where I'm going. That's right. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I just found out about you because I don't want, I just wanted to mention, sorry, before I lose my train of thought. Um, you did. You have a YouTube channel that I didn't realize you had. And then um, in in down, uh, I think you're on the same channel. You got Ben. Hang on, let me double check. Is oh, so... Or is that someone else? That's a family friend. Ben. So, so but, oh yeah, so it's a different YouTube channel, but you, yeah, that's, you linked his, a, um, that's his, well, it's an old one. It's the only video that's on it. So it's, it's an account yeah. that was made before uh, that might've mm-hmm. been before YouTube channels came to be, because yeah, I don't think you can but, do that anymore, but it's an old one. Right. So, um, but it embedded in, in your, in your page, you have this, uh, I think, was it, is it your two sisters and yourself playing drums or could you? Yeah. So I'm on the drums. My sisters are singing yeah. and. I watched that before our interview just now because I just I found it now. Yeah, and uh, that's a parody like, of um, Ben yeah. by the the uh, is it the Jacks the the five you know the band that what are they called that, that Michael Jackson is in that's the what it's a parody of. Mike what? Is it the Which Michael Jackson? Billy Jean or whatever I can't remember the name. Oh, oh the Jackson Five, yeah, okay. I should be. Um, I didn't. I didn't hear the lyrics, but uh, you know, I heard the tonality and the um, the way you guys were playing. I think I was starting to get a bit emotional. <laughs> and uh, your drumming was, um, was yeah, great. So it's it was about, really good. Yeah. So it's about. It's a song about the family friend who actually recorded it. Anyway, um, so mm-hmm. that's that's way back when I had my legend drum kit. Drummers yep. would be horrified, probably, but it's. It was a good start. With my parents got it for me in two thousand and six. It was a pretty good run. My one of dad's cousins gave me my first mm-hmm. lesson on it. That was that was pretty good. Um, what drew you to the drums, like specifically? Well, I've always been a bit like that. I suppose a bit really? rhythmic and things like that. And I suppose it's a very when you're growing up, thing you're just slap, you can do it. slapping out a rhythm. Well, you can do it anywhere. I think it's something that drummers yep. do tend to do. Like like yeah. people just like when I've been around drummers, especially when you people tend to grow out of it when they become adults. I I don't know if I have fully grown out of it, but like, Mm. like as teenagers, you know, people would do things like when I was in high school, you know, drummers would just 
people just tap on anything and everything. Like, even if you don't have drumsticks, people who are rhythmically oriented tend to. Like, it's the good thing about it. Like, you can just tap on a table or something if you want to. If you're, like, bored or something, you can actually do something. But it's not. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's and, and it's just something that, like, you can do it and, and it's, you can do it anywhere. And it's, yeah, mm. like, it's quite a unique sort of, yeah. It's, it could be that sort of you thing. Like the... you can't necessarily do that with a, I mean, with a phone, you can get out garage band or something, but you can't necessarily do that with like a keyboard or a, cause it's so bulky, you know, you can't, um, but yeah, so my parents got me a, a legend kit, which is a pretty cheap sort of, yeah, not very good sounding sort of drum kit. Um, and then had that for about six years. And then in 2012, I bought a, a six piece pearl, um, kit. So, so, uh, when you're talking about drums in pieces, it's like the, you're not talking about the cymbals, but the, the amount of drums that it has. So it had a bass drum, a snare drum, and four tom drums. So mm-hmm. four toms. So it's a six, yeah, six drums. So it had um, the high tom, the mid tom, and the floor tom, which is the standard setup you'd have for a five piece, classic five piece. You're, you're losing me here. And then you have, okay. And then you have, it had like a <laughs> small drum on it. There's a photo on the side. It had like a small yep. drum on the, oh no, that's the legend kid actually, not mm-hmm. the pearl one. You only have the legend progression. So my, my cousin, I gave the pearl kit to my cousin actually, because I, when I started mm-hmm. studying and stuff, I wasn't really using it. And yeah. in the small places, like in university residential, student residential accommodation where I've been staying, it wasn't possible to take it there. So I, I and I, I just, nobody was using it because I wasn't at home and it was stay, it stayed in the family home and I just wasn't doing anything with it. So I gave it to my cousin because he's having lessons now and they're going pretty well, I think so. And I thought he could make better use of it. So, yeah. Mm. So he's um, doing that. and But I kind of got a bit sick of, yeah, by the time I got to about oh, last year, 2020, early 2022, I was getting a bit sick of sort of just not being able to do any <laughs> drumming. I do have other things. Like I have a djembe, for example, and I have a practice pad and I have some drumsticks, but I ended but they're up in, um, get... But they're in Bodonga still, right? Um. No, I've got the djembe here. Are you bringing so, Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's a West African down. drum. Djembe, D-J-E-M-B-E. Wait, uh, could you... What sort of drum is that again? A djembe. It's spelled D-J-E-M-B-E. It's like a... like a, um, Yeah, it's a West African drum. So you, you play it more with like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's not, you know, you don't have the full like five-piece sort of drum kit. No, there no, in no. Victoria. But that's I have, quite, that, yeah, that's I have a It's quite easy now. to... Yep. Um, which is what we're talking about before. So the tabla set, yeah. tabla is like a, it can refer to the treble drum in the set, but it usually refers, mm. it can refer to the whole set. So it's okay. got, it's a pair of hand drums. So it's got like, a, mm. it's always a pair, isn't it? Yeah. So it's got, oh, uh, you can drums. have, um, in a complicated setup, you can have multiple Does ones it tuned to originate from the Indian continent. Yeah. So it's from the Indian subcontinent. Yes. So there are different. So it, it, there are different types, I think, that are from like the country of India, and then in like countries like yeah. like Pakistan and stuff, they use it too. But I think in countries like I think Nepal, don't quote me on it, but I think, and somewhere mm-hmm. else, um, they have similar types of drums, but of a slightly different make. Um, and so this one is from it's a North Indian tabla that I have. So it's from the. Uh, continent itself 
It's What's from, sort of cross? It's from Prunet, so I can, it's made in Mumbai style. So the skins are a bit thicker. So they're made of. It's yeah. it's got goat skin that's stretched over the top of it. It's got two. It's kind of got like a layer of it, a bit on the outside and then a bit on the inside. And then they cut out the the center mm. of the goat yep. skin and they replace it with like a mixture. It's like a durable dough sort of thing. Nobody really knows exactly how they're made. I don't think. No, nobody knows. Well, you, there is a it's bit a of mystery. an idea, but it's it's different makers have different ways of doing it. But there's all sorts of weird stuff if, that goes into it. If you look on Wikipedia, it's claimed that there are things like they put flour and iron filings and different random things in it. But um, I like that though. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's well, it's a mystery in terms of no, yep. yeah. People don't tend to makers don't manufacturers don't tend to reveal their like complete. Mm. You know, they don't reveal their. Recipes, oh, whatever. Uh, that's okay, not right. so I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, it's not, 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 not like whatever. gatekeeper one, it's just, it's just how it's just how it is, yeah. So, is. um, so there's no particular like, oh, this is, um, so to pronounce it again, Jimpy, or we're talking about the tablet? Oh, we're talking about the tablet here. So, so with the tablets, I mean, there's no particular like manufacturer or whatnot, so there's like you know, so name brands, um. So I, I had to source my drums from, you can get them from companies from, like you, there are companies in America, there's one in Brisbane who mm. resell them, but yep. you have to source them from India essentially because there's no, like mainstream music companies don't really, they don't make them, they don't, they might resell them, but they even they when they do that, they source them from India anyway. So, um, yep. so um, yeah, so there's two drums. There's always a, a treble drum and a bass drum. So the treble drum is Are they called... Uh, did they have a name? So the tabla itself is the treble drum, or it's sometimes called a, a daya, which means right. Mm. So it's in Hindi, so it's the right hand. I think it's Hindi. So it's the right-hand side of the drum, yeah. and then the, the baya, or the left-hand drum, or the daga. Sometimes it's called, depend, mm. depends on what area of the subcontinent you're thinking of. It, um, yeah, so... So sometimes in South Indian music, it's played. There's different. It's it, yeah. It's complicated. So you, it's kind of a regional thing and a musical thing. So it's a mainly a North Indian instrument. So it, um, and that affects. That's a, partly a geographical reference and it's partly a music sort of genre type reference, or not a genre, like a stylistic kind of reference. So it's, um, yes. Yeah, so would you say um, but, it's a it's like a religious instrument? Um. In South seen, Indian music, uh, South Indian yeah. music in general is very religious. North Indian music is more, I don't know if secular is the right word, but it's more, it's more general. Like it can be religious, but it can be related mm. to other things as well. So who's the, who's the prominent figure in tabla playing? Oh, well, there isn't one prominent. <laughs> any, uh, or, you know, like any, any particular favorites um, people well, that one, could one, look up or direct to? So, Apart from so yourself, one before you really, become really a very, very good tablet player who I'd like to listen to is um, Zakir Hussain. Mm-hmm. So he, he yeah. does a lot of, he's very, very good with, um, yeah, lots of different stuff. So he, he so the, the guy who manufactured the, the tablet that I uh, now have that I bought from India, yeah, he, he also makes tablet for that guy uh, sometimes. And... Um, Another one I like this. That's a um, is a South Indian player, um, Pete Lockett. I think yeah. he specialises in. I'm pretty sure it's South Indian 
Pete Lockett. Music. So he is actually a, a British guy. He's um he hmm. he's performed a lot of the he he com, he's composed some of the um, composed and recorded from his own studio some of the soundtracks for some of the more for some of the more recent James Bond movies. So he's done um oh. so he's done he did all of Quantum of Solace. To music producer what would you say is a music producer music uh oh, he's, a, he's a percussionist he's a player percussionist, but he yeah, records but... his own stuff too so oh, he... not music i mean movie like movie producer movie so he's done movie he's, musician yeah he's done composer. the percussion for some of those soundtracks so, yes. so he's um done a bit of that i i um i heard him play at the um as drum te- at the drum tech um australia's ultimate drummers weekend in 2009, I think it was. Mm. Um, I just find it fascinating how um, how much music actually changes the mood in uh, movies. Yeah. Yes, I know, and and especially when it's yeah unique, like it's something you don't hear as often. Like um, yeah, yeah, music from from other countries and other. You know who does that uh, a lot. You know who's doing that a lot in his movies? Oh, not movies, but as a movie. I think movie musician or what is he known as? But you know, you know of Hans Zimmer. Have you yeah, heard yeah, of Hans yeah. Zimmer before? Yeah, yeah. He, he's a uh, check out. Um, there's a video. I could probably <laughs> link it as well in the podcast. But there's a one about uh, where he got the sounds of Dune, the new the new one. Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, okay. I'll uh, yeah, I'll send you the link and okay, I'll link right. in the in the podcast notes because. It's actually quite interesting. Have you like seen? He's um, used, um, yep. Have you seen the honest trailer of um, Gladiator where they <laughs> they pick on the fact that he um, mm. almost plagiarized himself? Well, not quite, but he because um, he the parts of um, there's a portion of Gladiator that sounds almost exactly like um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? It's not. It's it is a bit different, but mm. there are some sort of partial similarities. Like it's um, look at that. Yeah. And because um, they're seeing, if you go on YouTube, you can see videos of like yeah. there's comparisons of like YouTube. Um, like you can see, oh sorry, if you go on YouTube, you can see comparisons of like, um, I think there's like the Lion King and Gladiator and Pirates of the Caribbean. And I think there's another one that people tend to compare. Mm. But, I mean, I suppose when you've got one composer, like a lot of their stuff, you can only come up with so much. So a lot of it, some of it probably would sound similar anyway, because it's the way it is. It's their, well, it's their expression, you know. It's like, mm. you'll know, sometimes you hear music and then you'll know it's that particular composer. Did, Sorry? Well, sometimes you, you hear a particular, like, song or... Mm. A particular like um, instrumental, and you know it's from that artist. Oh because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Literally, like yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's always a theme. Like, translates their with, personality. Yeah, like you can tell that with drummers. Like they usually someone will have a, a very particular yeah. like playing style and and sort of be able to yeah do that sort of thing. Who's your drumming inspiration? Who's your like you know six piece or mm. you know the? I couldn't narrow that down to one person. <laughs> All right. What um, about a f- just to name a few quick quick ones? Well, as mentioned before, I mean, I would put Pete Lockett in that category. I think. Yeah. Um, another one would probably be Don Familiaro. Anyone from he, Pop? He's done. Huh? Um, yeah, he's done a lot of work. He's he's one of the on the board. Who was that again? Dom Familiaro. So he's done a bit of work. He's on a board. He's a board member for. Um, uh, 
um, an organization called Can Do Mesos, which is like a mm. an organization that does um, different sort of um, so they they provide support environments like a social and sometimes other supports as well, like support network for people with disabilities and things like that. Um, it's mainly meant for drummers, but there are other musicians as well who use the network. Um, and so, yeah, um, saw him play also in, I think that was in 2008 or nine, I think it was 2009 as well, actually. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty good that, um, yeah. And I was quite, um, yeah, I was quite impressed by that because it's not usually something that people tend to think about when you think about more like high profile people who do that sort of thing. Like it's not often that you have people take up, you know, um, a niche sort of, you know, interest in that sort of thing. And it's quite, um, you know, it's really good to know when, when like, you know, people are thinking of those sorts of things. And someone else I'd put in the same category is probably Virgil Donati. He's an extremely excellent um, Aussie drummer. Mm -hmm. He Vir used to drum for, a, I think, he drummed for a Dream Theater that again? band or something for a while. He's like, oh, Virgil Donati. Oh, hang on. Um, so he... Um, does a lot of different, like, yeah, he's, he has done a lot of like heavy, like, uh, it's probably not rock, more metal sort of stuff. And he's done, he does some other things too, but he tends to, I think that's what he specializes in. So yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, he does a bit of that and, mm -hmm. Uh, what do you like about like their individual play styles? I mean, what stands out? Because uh, as a maybe someone that I don't know, I'm not really too much of a drummer enthusiast, or maybe like muso wise, um, probably aren't. Um, maybe I'm not too particularly inclined. And like my, I think like you're talking about rhythm and all that at the start. I am terrible at that. Like for example, I'm trying to learn violin and mm. the timing, or even before violin, I'm trying to play guitar and never get in the room but you know yeah. i think uh we'll see what happens in the end time maybe i can play with you drums and violin or drums and guitar <laughs> or jam well, it could be uh, uh they, they can always uh, interesting with them together actually hmm. tabla and violin probably sound right but it's a very specific special style of playing that would probably be used with that we'll give um, it a go well because uh, we'll when you've got the, di the different thing with tabla is it's one of the few drums that sort of hmm. sometimes you can tune most drums to the to a particular note, but with tabla in particular, you hand. have to tune it to the, like you, the treble drum, for example, the actual tabla, you tune to the tonic note mm -hmm. of the, mus the, the musical piece that you're playing. So, so you, the tonic note is like oh, the, the actual okay. key that it's in. So if it's in the key of, if the song, if the piece is in the key of D, you tune the drum to D. But the and then the the bio, the the bass drum you have to tune to within usually I think it's within a fifth of the um, of the tabla. So um, yeah, it's it's just something you have to sort of work with, which is a little bit different. Uh, and tuning is really hard. You have to yeah, it's hard because you have to be careful that you don't break the. <laughs> That you don't break the drum, um, that you don't break the skin, I should say. 
on the trampoline. Are they, but it's pretty tough. The skin's pretty tough, isn't it? Um, it's tough for play. Like you don't, you don't play. It's sort of tough, but you don't play tabla like a like a bongo or a conga or a, like a djembe. Mm. So you, you you don't slap it. You you use your fingers. It's it requires a lot of like flexibility, and you do hit them sort of hard, but you don't. Um, it's more a thing. It's more involving your fingers and your wrists, and sometimes your shoulders a bit. But it's not like with like congas or or djembe where you kind of slap the drum by like from your kind of from your elbows. You don't do mm. that sort of thing, so you don't put that much force behind it. You do use a bit of force, but not yeah. Um, so tabula seems like it might be my type of vibe to get into drumming, perhaps. Well, if you're willing to commit, what? three to five years of relatively regular playing before yeah. you get to moderate proficiency. It can take up to 10 years to be really proficient. Like Sounds like violin. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it takes a lot of time and energy and practice. And yeah, hmm. and it's hard to juggle like with study and other things. It's really hard to, it, it is a bit hard to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of... Well, what sort of things have you like picked up in your sort of journey where... Um... You know what? What helped you improve when you're playing in that sort of you know the time so I, time frames, or you know when you have your inability to yeah, play. Yeah, so I've been using jamming apps like um, there's one that yeah. I use a lot called Lahara Studio Ultimate, which is like a um, an app that actually lets you play like a Lahara. So it, it loops yep. particular musical okay. pieces according to particular rhythms. So it's all according to Eastern style like standards of like like Eastern music. So some of these things correlate with western equivalent sort of standards mm-hmm. and concepts but um there are some differences so yeah so the anyway it's a bit it would take forever to explain but like the <laughs> That's uh, okay. the yeah so i i tend to use that with particular because you can play along to particular types of instruments and that's quite helpful for like practicing and things like that and um so i've been going off a lot of like videos and um I've got word documents that my teacher gives me for like with transcripts of like the actual transcribed sort of, yeah, notations of musical pieces. So there's like kaidas, which is like a main theme of like a, a longer musical piece that has like a main theme. And then you have like lots of different variations on that theme. And then you have like a conclusion or a, a tihai, like a, um, it's not a coda, it's different. It's not a bridge. It's not a coda. It's like a yeah, concluding. Like it's, I suppose it's an outro, sort of, but not quite. Like it's yeah, sort of. Um, not exactly, but um, yeah. So it's sort of like um, yeah. So and and I've been doing um, been learning some tukras, which is like a miniature kind of kaida. Um, doing a bit of that and some um, I've been doing some like. Um, I did a did a rella, which is like a. There's different types of things you can do where. So there's different types of tabla playing where sometimes you're playing for the purposes of soloing. So sometimes the tabla is the solo instrument, and then the other instruments will be accompanying you. Whereas sometimes it's the other way around. So tabla. What, what sort of instruments would you pair with a tabla? So like a, a sitar, for example. So it's like a stringed sort of... 
Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. I love the sound okay. of the sitar. Yeah, yeah. Or a, a santo. Can you use that? I think that's how you say it. Santo, santo. I don't know. Um, or um, there's bowed stringed instruments too. I can't remember the names of all those, but the, there's like different ones of those you can use. Um, or you can just use like a, a temporal, which is like provides a bit of a more like. Um, I think that yeah, that should be that's a string instrument as well. Like a, a, it provides a more mellowed sort of. I think that's the right word. Like a more softer kind of like backing that you can kind of just work with and do your own thing over it. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, what else have I been doing with it? I've been. Ooh. You know what I uh, probably recommend you should be doing? Yeah. I see your YouTube channel is lacking the progress videos of your tablet playing. I reckon uh, I'd love to see more. Well, yeah. I, so the thing is, I can't yeah. upload videos of my lessons. So, oh, not of the lessons, but maybe at home? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I could else? do that. I, I have been thinking of doing that. I, I haven't really done like it. Like an little improv so. sesh. Yeah, I'll have to figure okay, it out. Okay, a solo jam, figure it out. I can, I can help you out if you need. Just let me know. Yeah, no, we can, sure, we can sure probably figure that out. I, I need to um, come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be better to upload them to YouTube rather than like Facebook or something. But yeah, I should think about yeah. doing and that. And you can link, well, you can link like, you know, YouTube to Facebook anyway. So yeah. it's another option. And I see you got your... You can watch Nathaniel's uh, skydiving video as well. Yeah, nine years ago with all the music cut out <laughs> and the music's cut out. Oh, uh, YouTube did that <laughs> automatically because uh -huh. it had to. Because um, yeah, I I didn't have a choice in that. They they sent a, an automatically compiled video with the music already uh, yeah, in yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought and, it was uh, different. Uh, got copyrighted. It was annoying because I was like, uh, how can I upload it? What can I do with it? Anyway, YouTube gave me the option of like automatically mm, editing stuff out, so that was okay. Yeah, but um, yeah. Um, that's AI, huh? That is AI, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Or is it kind of uh, machine? Well, no, it is AI. Yeah. Automatic detection. Yeah, yeah. It's quite um, quick on it too. Yes, no, they did a good job. As you it. upload, they take your video down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on time, but it's okay. Another story. <laughs> Maybe if you wanted to wrap things up from here, um, I've got a question that I, I want to ask every. Uh, guest, oh, yeah. uh, maybe make it my maybe make it my thing, but I know I'm not the first to use this question, so definitely not the creator of it, not claiming any right. So this is not ChatGPT. <laughs> it's not ChatGPT. Yeah. This is a an, an original GPT. thought produced no, G, by Chris. It's GTP, isn't it? Okay. Uh, G, GPT. Oh, GPT. I think it's GTP. Oh, whatever. And it's not a curveball. Um, when you pass away, what would you like to be known as for? Ooh. Wow, well, that's deep. <laughs> what? Before. No, I, I think I think of the, the words of that. Is it King's Kaleidoscope? That thing, um they have a, a parody of um old leg sign, which is like um you know give nothing of our efforts fail, no legacy survive unless the Lord did raise this house. All glory be to Christ. I mean, it's sort of a bit, you know, you kind of hope that if, like, remains that, um, that 
in my life an acknowledgement of God and and who he is and what he's done and and that um yeah that it would be for his glory and yeah that I suppose that would be my answer Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me uh, today. Thanks oh, for getting okay. through this also. And uh, thank you to your phone. Plenty of audio quality is alright. Hang on. Thanks for joining me on Noteworthy Differences, the podcast. Thank Cheers. you, Daniel. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you.